This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. We are so excited to have a special guest with us today, Brian Modisette. Shane, this is your brother-in-law, so you can tell us all the good stuff it about, is. about Brian. Yep, we married my bratty little sister, so he has to put up with her, and I'm thankful for that. He has been an integral part of taking the torch on our commercial lines. Keep in mind that area was an area that was really started by the individual that trained me around school districts and large commercial accounts and something that she had done in the agency from the late 80s. And honestly, when I got into it, I tried to start doing it, but couldn't stay focused on it. Brian has succeeded in a way in an area that I actually failed at. That's been really fun to watch. And so I'm excited to have him here. So thank you all for having me. I've been a part of the Integra family for about five years now. When I came on board, I was new to the insurance industry as a whole. However, I had a prior eight years of experience in outside sales. It was a good transition just because it just so happened both companies work with a lot of the same clients. So it was a familiar face. You know, a lot of the same steps and procedures throughout the sales process, but just really a different product. We actually stole him from his dad. You did not? Are you serious? So uh, he actually worked for his dad, who was part owner in a company in the copier printer equipment business. And it was kind of a taboo thing. Would love to have Brian come over, but really not sure how dad's going to feel about that. We kind of had to get the sign off there before we took that step. But what was unbelievable about it is when we actually started talking about, well, what would this look like? Because we were in a really bad spot. We were facing the pending retirement of the individual that created our commercial department. But as we sit down and start looking at it, and you look at the customers that Brian knew and had worked with for years, 80% of the customers were the same that we worked with. And so it was like, oh, holy cow. He just walks in with a different product. So how great is this? And so it was a really cool alignment. All he had to do was just the little part of learning insurance, you know, just just understanding going from a tangible product equipment and moving to a completely intangible product of insurance. So Brian, as you moved from outside sales to outside sales, what were the best things that you think from your training that you brought over to selling commercial insurance? When you're in a sales role of any kind, you've always really got to be working on that pipeline and having the next customer lined up or who you're going to target and go after. Being in a sales role, if you're sitting around without anything to do, that's a problem. Or if you're in your office. If you're in your office sitting around. You know, if you're in the office, it needs to be because you've got a lot of stuff to do. Paperwork, back-end type stuff. But you've got to keep the pipeline full. Even in my prior job, there's a lot of legwork that goes in on the front end of things. And I've had a lot of discussions with people in general, regardless of the industry, when it comes to a sales role, you've got to be willing to give it a good two to three years of laying that foundation. And if you give up before then, you're giving up too quick. You're not ever going to reap that reward. So you've got to be willing to make a lot of sacrifices on the front end. Getting out there in our Texas heat when it's 105 degrees in August and you're sweated down, you still got to keep pounding the pavement and knocking on those doors. 
doors. But just being persistent, staying in front of people, just because somebody told you no one time, that doesn't mean don't ever walk back in there. And I'm not saying walk back in there every month, but every 12 to 18 months, you know, don't worry them to death, but just kind of stay in front of them and let them know that I'm still here. I'm not going to give up because the relationship with who they currently use, that could get rocky at some point. So to take that to the next level, say we're talking to an agency owner that is considering opening a commercial lines department, hiring somebody from commercial lines, and they're thinking to themselves, I'm just going to let them sell personal lines a little bit at the beginning to help them pay for themselves. What would you say to that person? My focus from the beginning has been on the commercial side of things. And I think that has played to my advantage just because I haven't had to cross over to the personal line side. There is a lot to learn on the commercial side. There's a lot of different lines of coverage. We do have some I guess niche markets, I guess you could say that we have targeted. That did start before my time and we've kind of carried that on, but I think it's kind of allowed us to be a reliable source for that specific industry. I would recommend to an agency owner, if you have the ability to try to be a specialist in some certain area, depending upon where you're geographically located at, you may have to be a generalist, but I would recommend trying to specialize in something. You may have to do a lot of homework on your own, learning the industry, making sure that if you target that specific industry, that you've got the carriers that can provide the adequate coverage for what that specific industry is going to be looking for. Brian fully validated himself, which is a term that the commercial sector, hiring producers uses a term of producer validation. And that's basically the producer paying for themselves, the producer being at a spot where they're going to survive, they're going to be a good investment for the agency. And Brian fully validated himself between year three and four. And that was taking over a book and adding to it, which is phenomenal. I don't know what the statistics say of what the goal is, but to be fully validated between year three and four is terrific. That's a fantastic thing. So now well into year five, he is kind of at a spot where he's really taking off but he's not having to do the same amount of energy that you had to do in years one and two. That would be correct, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're doing kid extracurricular activity, you're having family time, you're going to the deer lease, you're doing things today, five years later, that most people would love to have from a work-life balance standpoint. And in years one and two, it was nose to the grind and and getting after it. What did years one and two look like for you? A lot of time behind the wheel pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, trying to really get in front of as many people as possible just to try to get the Integra name out there, get my name out there as an insurance advisor, really just trying to stay in front of people. When I got the opportunity to truly sit down and discuss insurance with people, following through with what we said we were going to do. But yeah, just a lot of pavement pounding the first couple of years. What was the percentage of cold calls versus appointments that you were making? I would say initially it was probably pretty low as far as the ability to set up a meeting based upon the number of calls that we were doing. Part of that was just me learning the insurance side of things probably to key points to hit on or things to mention whenever you do get in front of that decision maker. A lot of legwork on the front end, out of the office, behind the wheel, 
getting our Integra name out there. What's the secret sauce for you to get past the gatekeeper? Or is it secret you're not going to tell that? <laughs> so I wish I had a secret sauce. It's the belt buckle. <laughs> you know, where, where we're located at in the eastern part of Texas, there are very few locations that I walk into where you can't get to the decision maker. There are a lot of business owners that may be the only person in the office. I would say we can get to the decision maker pretty quickly, but you know, just trying to know a little bit about the business they're in and the carriers that you have the ability to write through, if they're really good at something, you may mention that in your 30 second pitch to this client. We've got carriers X, Y, and Z and they're provide great coverage for the type of industry that you're in. You've got to have some carrier knowledge, I would say, but then you need to know the type of client that you're talking to at the same time. When I think back on just his first couple of years, one, he went through a carrier producer school that was pretty intense. He actually went through the state auto pace setter, which has been around for a long time. You have to have state auto in order to go through that program. They're pretty intense. (laughs) <laughs> very intense. It was very intense. <laughs> you know how I am about certificates and plaques and things like that. I'm not real rah-rah <laughs> about stuff like that. Brian would probably put his pace setter certificate ahead of his college degree diploma uh, in terms of notoriety. That spoke to the intensity of that program. There was a lot of technical knowledge that came out of that program, too, that was really good. And look, quite honestly... There's other programs. I'm not just a single carrier advocate here. There's multiple programs. Liberty Mutual has a fantastic program. Hartford has a great program, I think, still out there. The thing is, is as an agency owner, when you go into hiring a producer, the two things that come to mind for me, one, you don't want them to give up too soon, which means you need to be prepared to fund them long enough for them to see that success. I think that's really critical. That was really easy for us because he's married to my sister and he was going to succeed. But in all seriousness, I was committed, regardless of his relationship, that we were going to fund this through once we knew we had the right person. So once you know you have the right person, it's a great culture fit, it's the right talent, that's all the skill set that you need, then you need to be ready to fund that, to let them go through the validation process. That's one thing. The second thing is you don't have to do this by yourself as an agency owner because there are some really quality producer schools, training mechanisms that are out there that can help you help your new producer go through this process. And that was something that I think I was fearful of for several years until we actually tried it. And it's like, this is pretty good. This is going to be okay. I don't have to do this myself. I can keep working on the business to keep the business moving forward while my new producer is going through the things that he or she needs to go through. Looking back, what is something that you wish you would have done differently? Looking back, and I know this is hard for a new agent, but really having a good understanding of the appetite of the companies you have the ability to write through. You can chase a lot of stuff that you just don't have the ability to write. And it may look great because it's a huge account and you're going to spend a lot of time going through that back-end underwriting process on that. But if you don't have the right companies, 
that are rearing and ready to write something like that, you are kind of wasting your time. Just having a good understanding of what you have the ability to do, not only from a company standpoint or from a carrier standpoint, but within the agency as well, whether it be your time or if that producer has a CSR helping them on the back end. If you're a one-man show or a one-man producer and a CSR, that's something to consider. If you're trying to take on a massive account, do you have the ability to service that account like they expect to be serviced or have gotten service from another agency. Insurance is just a means to an end. Before I got in the insurance industry, I knew nothing about insurance. All I knew was that I paid a premium and I assumed any and everything was just covered. Luckily, I'd never filed a claim. So in my cold calling, there are a lot of clients or insurers who have that mindset and they truly don't know the importance of insurance. They're well aware of what they're paying in premium and some of them are paying a lot in premium, but they don't see the value or the importance that it can bring come the time of loss. So they can become really relaxed in being forthcoming with all of the operations of their business, for example. There's this mandate thing in commercial as well. And we've talked about mandate, about personal insurance, but a lot of business owners, a lot of contractors, they're operating by contract. The contract terms require they have a lot of insurance coverage, even things that you question, like, do they really need that? And that's their issue. But they want to work in that mill or for that general contractor or whoever, that municipality. And that contract dictates the insurance coverage that they have to get, not necessarily what they should get, which makes that mandate feeling. But what they don't understand because they haven't experienced a claim, thank goodness, is how close they are from bankruptcy with the wrong insurance coverage. When it kind of comes to contractors in general, in a lot of cases, these are going to be your excess and surplus lines type policies. There are going to be class limitations. You're correct. They are just one denied claim away from being bankrupt. Whoever they're working for, whether it be a meal or a main contractor, you know, they may be required to have $5 million in coverage. So there's great risk there. It's extremely important to make sure that the appropriate coverage is in place. I think the ultimate place that a commercial agent wants to be is to reach the level with your contractor customers where they think about giving you or showing you, providing you a copy of the contract the same way they would their attorney. If you can get to that level, you've reached the perfect place of the commercial consultative risk manager. They should automatically, but they don't want to give you that information. They feel like you're getting in their business too much, or maybe the terms of that agreement, they don't want that out. There's a little bit of reluctance for the customer to want to provide that, but it says what your coverage needs to be. (laughs) These contracts are written by attorneys, and these attorneys are not writing a contract for the benefit of the subcontractor. They're writing the contract for the benefit of the mill, the general contractor, or whoever. The reality of this customer not being willing to give out the contract is a tough spot. So how do you convince Bubba or Bubbit business owner to share that information and to trust you in that way? 
It's really just pushing the envelope and just the fact that we need that almost to the point of refusing to move forward in the quote process until we can get our hands on that because there could possibly be specific requirements, like Shane said, in that contract that we have to make sure the appropriate coverage is there on the policy. So with contractors, that would be one of the first things that I would request. And if they can't provide it, it's really hard to move forward with the appropriate coverage. You're trying to be their risk advisor. They're looking to you to provide the appropriate coverage. So yeah, it's gonna be needed. What advice would you give to someone who is starting out as a new commercial producer? Not to take the approach that you have to pick a street and call on every single business up and down that street. I kind of go back to knowing the appetite of your companies, but then also doing some of that underwriting on your own. If it looks like they're in a building that is run down and there's no maintenance and junk everywhere, for lack of better words, that's going to be something that's difficult to write. I would recommend targeting those businesses that look like ownership does a good job of property maintenance. And if they have the ability to maintain the property in a good form or fashion, what I've learned is a lot of times it means that their overall business operations, they do a a pretty good job on that, which means their losses are typically less. Turnover is typically less. They do a good job of maintaining their fleet, keeping the warehouse clean, that type thing. So just learning the type of property has been a big help for me. One of the things that I've seen over the last few years has been larger agencies having a minimum commission on whether they will pay their producers or not pay their producers based on certain size accounts. Right. How do you feel about that? I'm not necessarily a fan of that. Everybody needs insurance. A lot of the larger agencies, they have put a focus on the larger accounts. And that's great whenever you win the account, but whenever you lose one of those, it hurts deeply from a revenue standpoint for the agency. What seems to happen a lot, even in our area here, those larger accounts that everybody wants to get, their door is being knocked on pretty much on a daily basis. Not saying this happens always, but the insured will kind of transition from being coverage concerned to now they're just concerned about premium and they tend to shop that each year. And so that relationship between the producer and the insured, I found that there's not much of a relationship there. So everybody needs the insurance. The $200,000 accounts are great but you lose one and you've lost 200000 in premium. Not saying to go after the $1,000 in premium stuff, but if you can spread that risk out a little bit and focus on those 10, 20, 30, 40,000 ones, when you lose one, you're not hurting near as bad. Yeah, I love hitting singles and doubles. If you hit a home run every now and then, right. that's great. But the higher average singles and doubles, and we kind of have a little bit of a story there. We had a customer that we wrote small bot policy for in the late 2000s. I think it was around a two or $3,000 bot policy. And up until just a couple of years ago, the point that it was acquired, the company was generating over 250000 something like that, yeah. in premium a year. So we literally grew up with that company. It's just one of those really cool stories. My issue is, is that when you pass on that $8,000, $4,000 account, you never know which one of those accounts turns into a $50,000 account or $80,000 account. I kind of hang our hat on that. 
of why we do small business and diversification across like the revenue side. I read one time an article about a guy that had built his agency on six accounts. The accounts were averaging $2 million in premium. You know, he wrote $12 million a year in premium. It was six accounts. Can you imagine losing one of those accounts? That's going to create a ding right. <laughs> in the revenue. Right, you know? sure. And so it's not a sustainable model. Most of the agents that are out there are small, medium-sized agencies, and, and that hurts when you lose big accounts. So we're thinking Moneyball insurance. Absolutely. You know, and, and I would recommend, you know, once you get the account wrote, you've got to continue to stay in front of the customer. We will try to get in front of everyone, whether it be quarterly or midterm or whatever. I call them annual checkups, but going in there 30 to 60 days before the renewal. And I know you can't do this on every account, obviously, but we kind of have a threshold. If the account is larger than X in premium, this is something we try to do for them. But a lot of times they have not been accustomed to that. So they see the value that you're bringing to the table. I've had a meeting with a customer yesterday. We wrote their business three years ago. They were with a local competitor. They had been there for over 30 years with the same agency they had never shopped their coverage and they just kind of always took it that they were covered correctly. When they moved their business to us three years ago, at that point in time, it had been about three years since their agent had stepped foot in their door. They had just added on 15,000 square feet to their warehouse. Nobody, their agent had not been by to discuss the renewal, ask if anything had changed. They were going to be drastically underinsured, set up for a co-insurance penalty if they were to have a claim. And with their expansions, with premiums increasing, it's went from a $50,000 account to over a $100,000 account in a three-year period just because of their expansions and premiums increasing. So just staying there with them, yeah. building relationships, letting the customer know that you do care, you make it personal. The sitting down and those well checkups annually seem to make a difference. As our commercial producer, how do you feel about us writing their home and car insurance? I do like the approach of being able to handle everything for our clients. Even though I am on the commercial line side, having a good relationship with the individuals on the personal line side and knowing that whenever the opportunity does present itself to write one of our insured's home and auto, knowing that we have the staff on board and the adequate amount of staff that's knowledgeable to be able to pass that off and know that it's going to be handled appropriately is a great advantage. What would you say to a commercial lines producer that doesn't want the home and car and umbrella written at the same agency because something may go wrong? No, I certainly understand that. Being a risk advisor, I think you're always better off if you're aware of everything that your client does. Try to be a risk advisor for everything that they do. Otherwise, you do have a great opportunity for there to be holes in coverage and, and so forth. So I understand both sides, but if the customer is straightforward and honest with you about everything they do, I think it makes things a little easier. I have agents ask me about client gifts. What are your thoughts? What do we do? What do we spend? I've seen everything, not just stuff that we've done, but other agencies. I've seen things from fruit baskets to things like tumblers and cups and mouse pads. From an insured standpoint, I think they like to see the leave behind stuff sometimes, whether it be pens or cups or whatever. I'm kind of a fan of the things that get left on the desk 
that when the insured sits down, the things like the tumblers or the pins, I feel like there are certain items that have the ability to walk away and your brand is not sitting there. So I would kind of say anything that you feel like is going to be left in the office and in front of your clients for your agency name to kind of be in front of them all the time. I think maybe like we should do some cardboard cutouts of you <laughs> yeah. and like have it over in the corner. I never just like thinking out loud right here. I think here. this is fantastic. This is a good idea, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And just you know, absolutely. hey, we're gonna set this here. Just I'm here. Just give me a just call. Just give me a call if you need me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, holding his business cards. I love it. With the QR code. That's awesome. There we go. So, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? If we're talking work related here, you know, I know everybody wants to be successful in the workplace. Not only so you can stay employed with your employer, but I know most people work to be able to provide for their family or there may be things that they want to acquire. I don't know that there's ever been any one thing that stands out that's been said to me, but just always trying to work hard. I know that's really simple in itself, but just continuing to strive to be better. There is no substitute for hard work. I feel like it's always going to be difficult. If you're looking at yourself, comparing yourself as an agent to another agent, it's always difficult to beat somebody that's a hard worker. If you get relaxed in what you're doing, you can kind of see this with agents and not just in insurance, but in anything. As people kind of age and get closer to that retirement age, they kind of start to put it on cruise control. And uh, even in my prior job, when they get relaxed, you have the ability to take a lot of business from them. So just continue to strive and work hard. It's hard to beat somebody that's a hard worker. What's the best compliment you would give yourself? Whatever I say I'm going to do, I try to do that. If I tell a customer, hey, I don't know the answer, but I will find out for you, just not taking two weeks to get back to them, making it 24 to 48 hours. And if I don't have an answer at 48 hours, let them know that, hey, I'm still working on this. I, but doing what you say you're going to do. In today's world, there's a, we have a major lack of follow through. So that would be something yeah. that I try to do. So I'm going to let you close us out with your favorite quote. The real you is what you do when no one is watching. Attitude to choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.